That's right, y'all. Welcome to another edition of Civic Cipher. I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward, and that just so happens to be my name. And uh, today's show is a very special show. Now, I say that quite a bit, but the reason I have Q with me today is because we're going to tell a story and we're going to talk about policing from the vantage point and how it affects black men. Today's episode is one where we both can speak from a personal experience and paint a picture. A lot of folks that have you know, followed the show and have commented on YouTube or sent messages to our Twitter or anything like that. There's a lot of folks who don't really understand, uh, especially when it comes to like the defund the police uh, call that stems from the movement that's taking place in the streets right now on behalf of Black Lives Matter and lots of other uh, groups. Uh, they don't understand where that comes from and they can't really see the optics. And so it just so happens to be the case that Q and I recently went through an experience where I think we're able to illustrate exactly why we feel like a lot of times policing is unfair to black people and in our case black men specifically now before we get to that story i do want to paint a picture a lot of folks know that uh i'm a dj and if you don't um you know i'm i'm a, I'm a dj long-time radio personality uh, television magazines uh primarily based in phoenix arizona and q ward is all of those things as well so those of you that listen to the show every week you know me but maybe you don't know q so run down your resume a little bit for folks who maybe this is their first time meeting you Whew. resume all of it i don't know it's pretty expansive man yeah man we got time or diverse if you will um you know my my adult life kind of started in sports and entertainment college football working with and representing professional athletes got into racing then got into sponsorship Got into alcohol and spirits. That's how we crossed paths. Uh, introduced the world to a product called Hennessy Black. Um, that transitioned me into a bit more of a domesticated life. Um, traveled the world a little bit. Uh, spent two and a half years on the road uh, managing comedy tours, road managing. And um, around 2011, got into DJing. And that's kind of been my vehicle ever since. We've done a lot, you know, since crossing paths and since, you know, getting my, my first set of techniques. But DJing became the vehicle for everything I did after that. And then we got into the nonprofit sector. Uh, shouts to the Change Society. Shouts to Hashtag Lunchbag, our, our champion initiative that's, you know, a worldwide project now. And, um, yeah, outside of fatherhood, man, that's it. Well, there's a couple more things that I think are noteworthy. One of them is that you're a bona fide radio personality as well. Word. Um, I know that because we've had radio shows together. Word. Among other things that you've done um, in Phoenix. And um, also, you are more than just a DJ. I know lots of DJs, but you're perhaps one of the more recognizable DJs in Phoenix, certainly. I would say probably on the west coast of the united states in terms of notoriety in terms of your reach in terms of the um caliber of gigs that you perform 
but you know, you know since you're primarily based in in phoenix you know um certainly a, a big name in old town scottsdale which if you're not from arizona is the place where djs are really celebrated and elevated to the next level so the reason i wanted to establish that is because it helps to have a little bit of background on the two men that will be telling this story that will illustrate how sometimes policing can really feel unfair to people who are decent folks you know or maybe they're not decent folks but they're black folks you know and they don't get their uh, the same consideration as other people do uh, and it's textbook discrimination it's textbook prejudice it's textbook racial profiling and when policing citizens their decency is not sh- something that should be called into you know judgment on the spot by someone who clearly has no idea whether you're a decent person or not so it's you know the the the, the, the subjects of this conversation are decent folks but in that context it absolutely should not matter Absolutely. And the outcomes that are that are now, you know, (laughs) on your social media timeline, it seems once a week, those things should not be judgment rendered on somebody you consider to be not decent. Uh, Those things should have nothing to do with those outcomes. So. Obviously, we have a friendship. Um, We've worked together in uh, several capacities professional capacities um over the years i want you to start this story off by um painting the background picture of where now this is not as as i mentioned we're both um are primarily based in phoenix arizona but you know this story does not take place in phoenix arizona this does not speak to anybody based on their race this does not speak to anything based on region it speaks on policing and we're able to give you a verifiable example of exactly what happens in our typical interactions with the police. So, sorry, paint that picture for us. What's the background? It's a it's an interesting picture to attempt to paint because almost because it doesn't even require the specific setting that we were in. Like this, the setting that we were in gives it some very very uh, textured nuance. If we were making a picture. If we were making a movie, rather, the setting that we were in would be perfect to illustrate this. But that's what that's for an, for an audience. That's exactly right? why I think. But to be clear, because I don't even I don't want it to feel so specific to where we were. I don't sure. want the experience I, I to saying. feel like it only happens there, or or of course it happened. You were there. Yeah. No. You know what I mean. I know what you're saying. Um, but so this was July now. You know, and I don't know that that matters, but it's it's been a few months, so. We got to experience it, be really, really boiled over with emotion, come down from that emotion and experience a whole lot of different stuff personally and kind of via watching other people's stories play out in some really tragic ways via social media. And it's kind of hard to be socially or emotionally tapped into all of these people and all of these stories because you feel it all over again. Yeah. And it's a lot to to carry and, and to take so personally every time Like it makes you want to check out Because I can't keep mourning <laughs> Every week another Person having a similar experience With a far more tragic outcome rather But Ramses and I Flew To Florida Just to drive back home 
And I say that in that way to make you as the listener say, why on earth would they do that? Um, for a very, very specific reason. Uh, Ramses owns a car dealership. He uh, and a friend of ours bought a car for me the week before this happened. And for reasons that you know don't even really matter much for, for what we're talking about, I was not able to ever take ownership of the car. But I had already developed a very, very specific liking to this very, very specific car. And it was a gift. So... We flew to go pick up this car because it was the only other one I could find in the country and then drive it back to Phoenix. Uh, however, flying to Florida to drive a car back to Arizona requires that you make a trek across the good old boy southern United States. Exactly. And if you've been paying attention at all via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, CNN, MSNBC, or Fox News, you know that the temperature in our country right now is very, very high. And the division is circa 1930, 1940, 1950, 1960. Now, let me explain this to anyone that's listening to this right now. It feels that way right now, especially to other folks who do not live. This is not their lived experience, right. but it feels that way to us. And by us, I mean black males. I, 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 I would assume that black females feel the same way, but I, I, I'm learning not to speak you know, out beyond my own realm of expertise and, and my own experience. And so, um, but I can say that my experience is a black experience. It always feels like the 1930s or the 1960s or very close to it all the time when it comes to the police. There are other things that happen in society that, you know, we all can get behind. We can see growth. We can see, you know, obviously when Obama was elected president, that was a huge deal for everyone. We felt so proud and we felt like, OK, the world is, is becoming a kinder place, you know, um, and more progressive. Exactly. Even. Exactly. But when it when the police get behind you, it's a very scary thing. It's almost as though if the police get behind you, you're guilty until you can figure out a way to prove yourself innocent. And I want you to remember that I said that because you'll see that um, way of thinking manifested in my behavior as this story continues. So, okay, so we, we get the car in Florida. What happens next? If I may, before sure, moving sure. on. Okay. Guilty until you can survive this interaction. Very good. It's not even about having been proved innocent. You're not in a position in most cases to prove your innocence. So you're almost behaving as if you did something and you don't want to be harmed during this. Inter if I can just survive this interaction, I'll be OK. And I can prove that I'm a then we can human being. then we can figure out whether or not I actually did something. Sure. Exactly. So I didn't even, I didn't want you to move on from that because when you said it I was like man it 
you, you start to inventory Okay I didn't run the light I wasn't speeding I used my blinker My tags aren't expired I didn't skip school I did my homework <laughs> I went to church I paid my taxes ah, Why am I going to Get beat up Or die What is about to happen Right now <clears throat> When you should be like Okay I know I didn't do anything So I'm fine that that's amazing. If if somebody can have the police behind them and just have a quick thought like that, I it to me it's like we have colleagues that can. I have one of the closest people to me in this world, not named Ramses. That's his experience. That should be everyone's experience, but that's his experience. I didn't do anything, so this is going to be okay. At worst, I was driving too fast. I'll get a ticket. I'll go home. I'll pay it. What's the problem? No, that is not that never happens. Our to experience. <laughs> Can you step out of the vehicles? Anyway, let me let me not because I could tell these stories all day. I'm yeah, just, yeah. I want to tell this one yeah, story. This one is this one is very specific. Um, it's important because when we have this con- we've had this conversation before with some some personal friends who were terrified. Sure, but we never said this part, so I'm going to say it now. Okay, we get the car in Florida. We have to drive through Georgia now. Except my mother, my grandmother, and her parents are from Georgia. So I'm hype. Because I'm about to show one of my best friends where my family started in this country. Like my mom's very small hometown in Georgia. Macon, Georgia. Bibb County. I'm about to take one of my best friends there. And he can see the restaurant that my grandmother and her sister started in 1959 that's still there like i'm hype i'm proud i can't wait but i also remember i'm in georgia most people think atlanta atlanta is atlanta georgia is a completely different place i know that's right from atlanta to be very 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 clear and i want to say this too um I love, I always say I love Georgia because it's a beautiful place. Alabama's beautiful. All those places are beautiful. Louisiana, Mississippi was gorgeous. You know, what we got to see of it. Um, and, I, and I know that we do have listeners in all those states. Um, you know, and so I do want to say, at least for the folks in Georgia, I absolutely love that place. Atlanta is, is sort of where I fell in love, but Georgia, I found beauty and all of it but that place has some confederate flags like more than alabama like i was like ooh we these people were just serious very out here. very big confederate flags yeah, they are about that action um, but there was a sense of nostalgia and joy and happiness about the fact that i was about to that we were about to drive through georgia because i was very very excited to actually be able to take someone to where i grew up I don't get to there's not a lot of, I don't I don't have 10 friends that I've been able to take to Macon because it's just not a destination like that it's a you know hour and a half roughly from Atlanta to Macon and an hour and a half out of the way if you went to Atlanta for something you're not trying to drive to Macon on one of those days so very very excited about the experience of being able to take Ramses to Macon take him to see where my family's from to see our restaurant um and then to Atlanta, where a lot of my family still lives now. Uh, and Atlanta is an experience. If you if you're 
of our ilk and you haven't been there you should definitely go you should definitely go um but we got a lot of road ahead of us you know we stop we get something to eat we spend some time with family and then we're preparing now because atlanta was was our our kind of sightseeing city the rest of these states we're just about to drive through them but georgia very specifically like i said that's where i'm from i got the state of georgia tattooed on my arm I wanted to, to, to spend some time there, visit with family and kind of show my brother where I was from. Listen, let me say this. Um, one last thing about Georgia. Um, I grew up in California, lived my life on the West Coast. Matter of fact, you know what? If you're just tuning in to Civic Cypher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. My name is Quentin, but they call me Q Ward. And uh, we're telling a story about a police incident that happened to both of us that illustrates... Um, how police treat black folks unfairly. Um, we're stereotyped. We are there, there's certainly prejudice built into the practices of, of police departments, and I think it gives a little bit more credibility to this call to defund the police. But before we get there, one last thing I want to say about Georgia, since I have this platform, I'm able to do it. Growing up on the West Coast, I saw lots of black folks that were that did well for themselves. But it wasn't until I got to Georgia where I saw a neighborhood where every house was a mansion. Every driveway had a Ferrari or a Mercedes whatever. or a Porsche or Maserati. And 100% of the people, 100% of the people were black. It was amazing. Powerful. So, all right. So we get to the end of uh, Georgia. Next up is Alabama. And uh, Alabama is where we saw a lot of very openly racist uh, advertisements. I saw a lot of Confederate flags in Georgia, but a lot of openly racist advertisements. Advertisements for radio stations um, that were very demeaning and insulting uh, to anything that was not white. You know, We heard the most overtly racist radio show we've ever heard. And that was when we got into Mississippi. And, uh... I immediately reached to to turn the channel. Ramses is like, "Wait, we need to understand. We need to understand where we are." Um, and and I want to say this. It, it I wanted to plug in. Uh, if you listen to this show, um, you recognize that I have this philosophy that compels me to try to find. brotherhood tries to find friendship tries to find common ground tries to find some way of bridging the gap and sometimes you have to go to that side listen to what they're saying so that you know how to challenge it. if i just write these people off by saying that they're wrong and give up on them then i haven't created an ally i haven't created a cheerleader i've just left myself a potential enemy that i'll have to account encounter at some point in the future who may be even more powerful and so for me personally, my choice to lead with love also compels me to educate myself about, you know, what other folks are doing. So I'm not listening to these racist radio stations in these weird backwater parts of the country just for, you know, f the fun of it. I'm really trying to understand how could you possibly make a case for, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, you know, there, you know, there's lots of systems and institutions in place. And obviously the political climate of the country, a lot of these talk shows 
are talking about black and white issues. Um, so let me, let me jump in right here. Please, please. So we're driving through um, and we know where we are. Um, and and as, Q, as Q stated, that's important. As important as that is, the experience that we're about to have is very much a universal one in this country. But it 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 was important for us to paint this picture just so you understand where we are uh, in terms of our energy, where we are in terms of how how we feel because we're happy, but we're. Uh, nervous is not the right word but alert aware you know and we you know there's this sort of uh, philosophy in in black communities where if you keep your head down stay out of trouble then people won't bother you the lies we tell ourselves right and so we sort of naturally had this you know what let's keep our head down let's keep it pushing i wanted to take a picture when we first got to mississippi and q <laughs> was not about that action i got the picture we got the picture but That's q important. was he was ready to leave me but I'm like you want us to do what yeah man so after midnight in mississippi hey man i needed that I, I was never gonna go back so let's get to it um q is driving the car what are we listening to rams we're listening to outcast Loud, having having a big old time. All of them, <laughs> all the cast. Yeah, man. None but them lacks. Hell, <laughs> dog. Hell, <Ale>, dog. <laughs> <laughs> if you know anything about Outcast, that'll make sense to you. But so we're driving. I'm on my phone playing a game, and we're just having you know conversation as you do on a road trip like that. We're enjoying ourselves, and that's that. Cars on cruise control, I'm sure. And. Um, yeah, we're just grooving along. And so we do most of our driving in Arizona. Um, you'll, uh, anyone who's done any driving is aware that on, on a lot of roads in this country, there is a groove um, sort of punctured into the asphalt. And it's, it's designed to wake you up if you veer off the road, right? In Arizona, that groove lies... Two feet beyond the actual painted line and so if for some let's say you switch a lane or you cross over or anything like that you cut cut off the freeway a little too early you're just going to cut over a little bit of paint it's fine you know no one makes a big deal out of that out here i've certainly haven't encountered that as an issue um in mississippi that groove is etched into the actual paint line and we have no way of knowing this and uh so the paint runs through the middle of it. So right. exactly. part of it is actually in the lane of traffic. Right. So um, it's very easy to trigger that loud noise. So I, I, I need to make sure that this picture is painted accurately. It's midnight, one in the morning in Mississippi on a back road on our way to Louisiana. The trees are among the tallest I've seen in my life. There is no moon shining. There are no stars shining. It is pitch black. Correction. We're on the highway still. But for the level of dark, it may as well have been a back road. There are no oh, so lights. Yeah, it felt it's like a back road. pitch black. Yeah. And we noticed that before anything started happening. Um, and then as Q's driving, I hear a little bit of a noise like a whoop. Just that quick. It wasn't half a second. Um, I say out loud at that moment, that was weird. 
because I know I didn't swerve off the road. And I confirm that because I'm like, well, where did that come from? Yeah, the, I look, the, 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 the etching is in the paint. It's not beyond it. So that was that. We keep driving. But uh, for those of you that know, if you're outside of a car and you hear that noise, it's very loud outside the car. In the car, it's enough to wake you up. So outside the car, it's extremely loud. You know, cars are insulated from those, those um, types of noises. So, um, you know, we're, we're going on minding our business. After another minute or so, the blues and another, tunes. Another big boy verse. <laughs> the, uh, we, we see the police uh, lights turn on like a Christmas tree behind us. So um, I'm going to take you through this. There is a gripping paralytic sort of fear that will take over your body when that happens. Um, Especially if it's one or two o'clock in the morning and it's pitch black in Mississippi. Yes. Yes, absolutely. When you're alone and it's just you and the police, we see the thing is, I know that the police can say and do whatever they want. They don't have to be right in order to be believed. Um, you know, they, 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 a lot of times, as we've seen, are, are given to fear. And and so you don't have to do anything wrong in order to lose your life, to get beat up and them justify it, to be put in jail and them justify it. They can trump up the charges and have you locked away for nothing. Just, OK, I happen to spend a half a second running over a line that I didn't know was there, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm and it happens all the time. And if you don't know that Google is free, but um, and you know, bless your heart if you never experienced it. Yeah, yeah, you you got a you got a solid run with respect to the police out here. Right. So good for you. But um so yeah, we we naturally have to pull over. Both of us are terrified, but also we know that we haven't done anything. Well, when in the world are they pulling us over for the cruise control is on? And um you know, we both know how to play the game. Um my first experience with the police was the LAPD. Um and this was before the Rodney King riots and all that sort of stuff. The police out there were always known to be the bad guys it's such a funny thing that a lot of folks grow up and they think that the police are the good guys and they very well may be i'm not trying to say but for me the way that i grew up is you definitely want to steer clear of the police if they see you you know keep your head down keep it pushing don't you don't want no interaction with them people because they don't like you they will hurt hurt you harm you all these and i saw those things happen i saw the police smash a man's head into a car sitting on the ground and dent the door in that happened when I was probably like five years old. He was sitting there and they did that. So I, I, I had everything. I, there was no confirmation bias here. There's an actual lived experience. So please get behind us. License and registration. Um, Q takes out what paperwork he could put together. Yeah. So we bought this car 30 hours ago. I have to go through this folder that the dealership gave me with every document concerning this vehicle from ever to try to find the proper paperwork to give to the officer. So I asked for his permission to sift through this, you know, manila envelope of documents trying to find the right paperwork. I don't want him to think there's anything fishy going on. I just actually have to find this because I've never had to present this document before. As you were. So, um, normally that's enough. Uh, given the paperwork, everything's fine. You know, there was a little bit of a swerve. Goes back to the car. Comes back. 
and gives back the paperwork and asks, can you step out of the vehicle? Now, let me say something. Before you normally, say, normally, before you say, before you say, before you say, I say, before you say, before you say, all right. Do you know why we pulled you over? Was the question that the guy asked when he first walked up to the car. And because I know I was not speeding, I say that to him. No, sir, I don't know. Because I wasn't speeding, the car was on cruise control. This is when he says back to us that he heard the noise from the grooves outside of the lane. Okay, so the sequence is important here. Important to bring that up because the why matters. Mm -hmm. And I, I also bring this up because when having this conversation with just Ramses and I, Ramses brought this up to me. And in the moment, I never thought about it. Why, when hearing that noise, would an officer pull you over? Maybe because it was the middle of the night, they thought you may have had something to drink. Sure. Our sobriety was never mentioned, nor was it tested. It was. It never even came into question, and that's the point I was trying to make. So that's I'm glad why you, I interrupted I'm glad you. Said you. That. Yeah. So I'm glad you. I'm glad you said it that way. I was yes. gonna. I was gonna get that, but at least the officers talking to to Q on this side of the car could very well ascertain from his speech from his mannerisms eye contact etc that this person was not a person who was inebriated in the least um any reasonable thinking person could tell that certainly any police officer who's trained to identify a person who is inebriated versus a person who's sober would be able to identify that at the at that point when you've identified yourself there's no outstanding warrants when you've given all the information on the car when the car is clearly not stolen and you say i'm not from here i didn't realize that i'm i'm on my way out of town i'm you know 10 minutes from the border there's nothing else to talk about here so the fact that i'm going to jump ahead but we're going to go back the fact that they brought dogs out was not only was it insulting and scary and unnecessary it was extremely unfair and it speaks to this idea that black folks gotta be up to something and i want to say this now have to be up to something i want to say this now and i'll say it again later but if we were 60 year old white couple 40 year old yeah doesn't just having a cruise same same things happen same same exact story i highly doubt that they would have asked anybody to step out of the car but if they did highly doubt they would have brought the dogs but i'll get to the dogs in a second okay if you're just tuning in to civic cypher i'm ramses ja they call me q ward and that just so happens to be my actual name indeed and we are telling a story about getting pulled over that speaks to why this call to defund the police exists now i do want to say this for a police officer sitting on the side of the road hidden that does not prevent crime now my charge with with the police and i think a lot of folks charge with policing and the police departments across this country is that they prevent crime or otherwise cause crime to be less significant or whatever and i don't believe that hiding in the shadows waiting for somebody to make a little bit of noise pulling them out of the car keeping them on the side of the road scared in the middle of the night you know where they bring dogs out is preventing any crime it certainly wasn't true in our case so the fact that the police department had extra money to pay people to sit hidden on the side of the road almost to uh entrap some passers-by 
for no reason. There was no harm committed. There was no 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 harm um, by us making that half of a, less than half of a second worth of noise in the middle of nowhere, you know. But so far in the story, they've come, and I know that they've ascertained whether or not we were inebriated. Um, they verified that the vehicle checks out. That should be the end of the story. But I would charge anybody listening to this that because we were black that is the reason why the situation went further so they ask you to step out of the car immediately i pull my phone out because now i need to record what's happening because this is the point where situations turn from very scary to near death and this isn't just something that i've seen on the phone as i stated i've seen this happen in real life you know, the only time I've ever seen someone lose their life, the police were involved. And I'm from Compton, as in Compton, California, and I'm born in 82. So I saw a lot of stuff, but the only time I ever saw a life snuffed out was by the police in my 38 years. So Q steps out of the car. I'm filming and I can't really film out the back window because those lights in the police car behind you, those lights are so bright. But I can film sort of the shadows just in case something happens, you know, I'll know, you know, whatever's going on. But then I realize, you know what, if something happens to Q, it's probably going to happen to me, too. So I switch over to Facebook Live because if something happens to me, I can't upload a six minute long video. I'm not going to have time while I'm whatever, enduring whatever. If they take my phone from me and claim it as evidence and I can't call anyone or whatever, there's little tricks that police do. Um. But so, so far in the story, we have extra police sitting there, not preventing crime, not even being visible to, to actually prevent crime. They're waiting to entrap someone who is either speeding or makes a little noise on the road um, to check them for sobriety. And, and neither of those things are true. Shouldn't have been escalated. But here we are. Uh, cues out the car. I'm terrified. And the, the officer later comes back to get me. But before I tell what happens to me, I want you to say what the officer talked to you about we rolled the windows down when the officer approaches the car initially Ramses just let you guys know that we can't see anything the brightest spotlights that Mississippi taxpayers dollars can buy are attached to this massive SUV that's behind ours but we can hear and that's important because we're in Mississippi and I want you to at least try to imagine what the state trooper in Mississippi sounds like <laughs> at 3 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the morning whatever it was in the pitch black in Mississippi got that accent okay so our attorney heard this story and immediately you not have to step out of the car and she's she, she's breaking down all of our rights and all of the proper steps and everything that should have happened we love you amy <laughs> the problem is in that setting none of that matters nope. if i get killed it doesn't matter that this officer was wrong because he'll say he was right and so will his partner You guys will put me on a t-shirt I will have a hashtag And they'll get a, a vacation A lot of people that care about me will be very angry 
the officers will be given paid leave and at worst reassigned to another agency. So I can't try to be a dignified man and stand on principle and tell him that, no, I'm not getting out of the car because he has no right, because I don't want to become this guy's enemy at all. I don't want to make him think we're on a different team. I don't want him to think that I'm angry or that I present any threat of danger to him. The problem is, no matter how nice and polite and respectful and compliant I am, when I open this door and get out of this car, things can get very, very bad for me instantly. And aside from putting the car in drive and driving it really fast until I'm somewhere that I think is safe, which in this instance would not exist, there's nothing I can do but what he says and hope, hope for the best that nothing happens. So I want you to understand when we say we were scared, it's not like scary movie scared. It's okay. My heart's beating too fast. This to might it be it scared. I, I want to say this, man, because there, there's sometimes so I, I got bit by a dog when I was little. I grew up with a phobia of dogs. Whenever I would encounter a loose dog, I would feel my heart beating in my throat. I couldn't come up with words. I couldn't breathe right. And that sort of thing. It's the same sort of panic response that I have when the police are um, with me because it, my brain turns it into a life and death um, experience almost like a phobia like people would tell me all the time don't be scared of the dog a dog doesn't bite no no i can't it's not that easy for me because i've experienced trauma right I've and dogs and dogs bite yeah like exactly yeah. Your, your dog too miss yeah your dog bites too so it's the same thing you can't it's not like you can turn that off you know you're just there and and when when police expect you to act reasonable and you have some sort of panic taking place you know you can't breathe you are they're hurting you or anything like that and you react the way that your body is reacting and they consider that a threat or they say that you're assaulting whatever it is that they want to do to twist the story you see how they can twist the optics and change the story and use that against you now he's out of the car he's back talking to the two police officers there's a second one back there now um the officer comes to my window now now, I've done nothing. I've said nothing. Even if Q was drinking, dirty, whatever. It has nothing to do with me. I was a passenger in the car. I, there's nothing going on here, right? He asked for my ID, took it, walked back to the car. I'm still filming. Comes back to the car and asks me to get out of the car. Now, I want to say this again. If I was the 62-year-old spouse of a white corporate executive driving the same vehicle, given the same set of circumstances, would I have been pulled out of the car? I think that everyone would agree the answer to that is absolutely not. There's no reason for me to be out of the car. But because I look like me and because Q looks like Q, because we're driving a Porsche in the middle of doesn't matter where we are, you know. The police are trying to investigate. They're looking for something, even though it's not there. And the thing about that, I would challenge anybody. If you look through someone's phone or anything like if you're looking for something, you're going to find it even if it's not there. Fortunately for us, you know, obviously the story has a happy ending. There's nothing to find. It's a brand new car, you know, whatever. But um, 
you know, there's this conversation that exists how black folks are overly policed, right? In other words, if you put 90% of the police officers in black neighborhoods and 10% of the police officers in white neighborhoods, um, you know, studies show that black and white folks use marijuana at approximately the same rates. You know what I mean? Obviously, you know, in terms of actual dollars <laughs> that have been stolen from people, you know, there's there's only one champion there. You know, there's a person who might rob a liquor store, rob a bank, get a couple hundred bucks. But the actual crimes, you know, that, that take. But, you know, I'm not here to debate that. The thing is, if you put all the police in this neighborhood, um, it doesn't matter if the, the rates are exactly the same. The police are going to find more people. And if those people get longer sentences, then what you end up with is this narrative in this country that we have now, which is, well, black people fill up all the jails. Black people are the ones always getting arrested. Black people are the ones on cops. And the truth is there are systems in place doing that. You know, there's a lot of systems. You know, drugs in a lot of uh, communities is really a, a form of it's, it's like a part of the economy there. You know, it's not necessarily, you know, just a health issue. It's it's a part of the economy. And that was done deliberately by the government. Again, Google is free. I'm not making this up. This isn't something that I think would sound cool on this radio show. But um, my phone dies right as I'm supposed to step out of the car. So everybody that's watching on Facebook Live that sees the the, the, the lights flashing behind us, that, that cares and loves uh, me and Q and knows what we, we're going through, Everyone that sees that is aware. Um, you know, while I can, I want to shout out Sinbad. Um, I want to shout out uh, Hannah and Alyssa. I want to shout out Tessa. I want to shout out Carly. I want to shout out everybody that was there that made phone calls that did everything like that. But my phone dies. I have to get out of the car now and um, walk back to the car, to the police car. He says, stand right here and look in this direction. I did not move. I didn't speak unless spoken to. I did not move. Now, I want to say this to any of our white allies listening to the show. You might feel like, okay, well, I'm standing out of the car. Might put my hands on my hips. Might check my phone. Might do, you know, whatever. Have a friendly back and forth. That fear, your heart beating in your throat, doesn't allow you to do that. You'd sit there, you know, like it's a different experience. Like the way I see some white folks interact with the police, it's like seeing a superpower like superpowers or something and it's just not true with me um now there are some people that reach their breaking point jacob blake you know he was he was apparently doing some stuff trying to break up a fight with two other folks or whatever the story is doesn't matter he's walking away from the police you know there is a breaking point for any creature endowed with consciousness where it's like i'm just not going to be bullied but in this instance i'm doing like you i'm playing along so now I'm outside of the car. Q is outside of the car. We're up against this SUV. And this man, who's already searched the vehicle with his flashlight, already asked if he could search the vehicle. And we, we gave him permission. And of course I gave him permission, right? Because once again, I can't flex my constitutional rights. Of course he's supposed to have legitimate probable cause. Of course he should be required to present some type of warrant. But what am I going to do on the side of the highway in the middle of the night in Mississippi yeah I guess you can search the car if that means that I can get back in that car and drive away after you don't find anything sir exactly and 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 I want to say this that also could have should have 
been enough because he did search that car. Real quick, if you're just tuning in to Civic Cipher, I'm your host, Ramses Ja. They call me Q Ward. And we're telling a story about um, when we got pulled over in Mississippi that I believe speaks to um, a lot of experiences that black folks endure when it, when interacting with police. We're speaking on black men um, because that might be a little different. And I, I, that's one thing that I can speak on. This happened to me, obviously, several times throughout my life. This just happens to be the most recent experience, and it happened to take place in Mississippi. Now, um, you have to bear in mind that we initially got pulled over for less than a half of a second of the road noise that is the, the etching into the side of the, the, the asphalt that's meant to wake up the driver. And again, in Mississippi... That etching is on the paint, whereas in Arizona, where we're from and do most of our driving, it's about one, two feet outside of that line. That's the reason we got pulled over. At best, a police officer would pull us over and say to us, um, license and registration, and ascertain as to whether or not the driver was inebriated. If the driver was clearly inebriated or they wanted to, you know, uh, you know, issue a test or something like that, then this would have been just fine, normal routine thing. But it was not that. We're both standing outside of the car after giving them permission to search the vehicle. And then they bring a dog to smell the car. Now, if they brought the dog and if there were drugs in the car or something like that, even that would be enough. Right. But they come back. It's a brand new car. We just got it. They come back and say the dog has indicated the presence of drugs. So now he has to get the gloves on. We're standing on the side of the road, terrified, in a state where we don't know anybody. It's dark, like the darkest it's ever been. Those trees are so big that the light doesn't make its way to the ground. It's two in the morning. There's no moonlight. The There's no Nothing. street lights. It's black. It's us and the police, and that's it. And they have a dog out there. So now there's all these police lights, all these, you know, and they have a dog sitting in the car. This guy puts on these blue gloves and goes through this Porsche. To try to find the drugs that were remember a little bit of road noise. Some people can see us, Rams, and I'm smiling. <laughs> I'm furious. Yeah. Right? It's like smile to keep from screaming and cursing and hyperventilating, right? Like laugh to not cry kind of thing. It's not a joke. It's not funny. Uh, you know, thank God we're telling this story so it worked out, right? But right. There's two points that we haven't touched on that matter. And I want Ramses to speak to this point because of his experience in this situation being very, very specific to the differences between two things. Officer of the law and human being. When I step out of this car in the middle of the night, in Mississippi after hearing that accent there is a chance that I am about to die I'm not being hyperbolic I'm not being irrational I'm not exaggerating the fact that I'm being asked out of the car having done nothing means that this officer's looking for, for a reason I admittedly exhaled when I got out of the car. 
because both the state trooper and the sheriff were black. Put a pin in that because we'll come back to it. And for a moment, I no longer felt like I was going to die. Now, when I get out of the car is when I'm able to determine the same thing. Prior to that, I was terrified. But um, when I got back to the uh, police car, I recognized that the sheriff, the person who was already at the, at the, uh, the SUV, the police SUV, was a human being who happened to be a police officer. I want you to remember that. He was a man. He was a human, just like me, just like you. Um, and he happened to be a police officer. The man who initially asked me to get out of the car, the state the trooper, initially asked you to get out of the car, the state trooper, was a police officer first and a human being second. In other words, the, the institution that employed him has taken precedence over his reason, his ability to reason and make sense of a situation. In other words, he didn't prioritize, okay, let me investigate why this singular infraction, if you will, took place. And this car made a little bit of noise on the side of the road while driving um, and determine, oh, there's no problem there. These, these fine people can go on about their business. The police officer, the institution that employs him that has taken it's it's sort of like the stanford experiments you understand there's there's this this way uh, that your job especially if it comes with a, an iota of tenuous power will compel you to treat people like they're beneath you and to subjugate them treat them unfairly bully them etc and he very much had that energy black as he was so i'm not speaking to white officers and you haven't heard me say that in this this uh episode what I'm speaking to is policing. And when people say there are some good cops, I will, I will offer that, uh, that narrative, this ex experience um, for fodder because there was a human being there who happened to be a police officer. But the other gentleman who was the um, state, trooper. state trooper was a police officer first and very much guided by the principles that we fight so hard to dismantle those principles that are built into that system that treat black folks unfairly. Um, that person is the reason I stood absolutely still. That's the person that got the dog. That's the person that put those gloves on and went through that car. That's the person that told us that the dog indicated that there were drugs in the car. That mm. dog can smell one part per million or whatever. And... And obviously, <laughs> oh my God! And, and, and you know, let me let, let me let me wrap oh, the story up. Oh my here. God! You, you want to get something in? The human nose needs to smell one million trillion fractions the fifth of a particle of something in order for it to register with our senses. This dog only needs to smell one trillionth. Really, that's the best you could do. Of a you can't just say you're wrong. Of a so there's something there. You know what he told us? I didn't find anything. The dog didn't find anything, but he smells something. What did he tell us? And it's probably... <laughs> Listen to this, y'all. You were parked somewhere. Yep. And someone brushed up against the car, mm -hmm. possibly with marijuana 
in, in their, their pocket. pocket. That's what he told us that the dog smelled. Now, mind you, we've been driving for 12 hours, 65, 70 miles an hour, and the dog smelled that one particle per trillion or whatever, and... He said that, like obviously that's nonsense. But he said that to justify. And the last time we parked was three states ago. I'm trying to tell you, we brushed up against more actual trees <laughs> than that. Just trying to, you know, check out where our surroundings. Anyway, um, this story speaks to the experience of black folks. You know now. Let's say, uh, uh, just to, to piggyback off my example earlier, um, it's, it's well documented, it's been well researched, you can look it up yourself if you don't believe me, but marijuana, for instance, is used roughly the same by black folks and white folks as a percentage, you know? If black folks and white folks get pulled over the same amount as a percentage, then you should see the same um percentage of folks being convicted of you know those sorts of crimes but because by and large uh well maybe not pulled over but let's say searched pulled out of their car or whatever if you only do that to black folks and you don't do that to white folks again if we're you know 65 year olds on a business trip we're going golfing or something like that they're not pulling us out of the car 65 year old white corporate privileged corporate executives you know and our decadent capitalist pig sort of mobile in our in our porsche um they're not bothering us you know they, th these systems were built by those people to favor them they're they're meant to to subjugate us to treat us very unfairly and to criminalize us at every single turn and even execute us if if they feel inclined to do so and do that without any sort of repercussions or to put plainly if they feel like it yeah simple i don't even want to say it with with the level of intelligence that you did if they feel so inclined no if they just felt like it that day yeah if they, they were a little scared you know go on they're not no no <laughs> say they're not a, say they're not scared at all i don't even want to give them that they're not afraid there's nothing to be afraid of the touche we're clearly standing outside of the car we don't they both have yeah, y'all have guns. We don't have guns and a dog. <laughs> yeah. So you're not scared. <laughs> so, listen. Um, I really wanted to do this show. I really wanted to explain to, you know, um, not too long on the show, we had Janelle Wood. And a lot of people think of police officers as individuals. And I understand why. Um, because police officers are people. But the institution that they work for is a racist – it's, it's roots are in racism. Patrol, the word patrol comes from slave patrols. Um, and for those who don't know that, again, Google is free. Um, and the way that police and the criminal justice system has treated black folks is very much built into the systems that we're trying to dismantle. So a police officer, an individual, can be my brother. Sure, I believe that all men are Quite my literally. brothers and all women are my sisters, you know, in the figurative sport, uh, sense of the word. Um, but the systems that they represent um, can, uh, are absolutely um, the enemy in this story and in most all black folk stories that sound like this. 
um, it's just it just illustrates how there's two different worlds when it comes to policing, just like there's two different worlds when it comes to politics. There's two different worlds when it comes to uh, economics and, and jobs and, and hiring practices and on and on and on and on. These, you know, these are the same stories that I'll say it now. My ancestors were telling um, and it's no different. The difference now is that we can we have a little bit more in the way of a voice because of the various platforms that we're able to use. Um, and obviously with Civic Cipher, we're trying to share that um, so that we can empower those allies uh, of our causes, uh, black and brown causes, because I understand that, that our brown brothers and sisters also have to deal with um, largely the same issues um, of, you know, uh, discrimination and um, subjugation. And, uh, you know, we feel like with, with a little bit more of a voice, maybe we can perhaps move the needle with a call like defund the police, which maybe is not the most eloquent way of <laughs> yeah. lay, laying out your argument, but certainly does speak directly to. We didn't do a focus group for that one. <laughs> probably should have. But it does, uh, again, speak directly to, um, uh, you know, a way of reallocating resources to where you're not just paying people to sit on the side of the road to pull over people, make a little bit of noise and terrorize them for an hour and a half to bring a dog out and then try to explain, explain it away when you wouldn't have done that if those were some white folks that you pulled over. It just seems like a waste of resources. And those resources could have been invested into the community that actually in a way that would have actually prevented crime. Now, again, I could tell so many stories like these. The only time in my life a gun was ever pointed at me was by a police officer. I've never been arrested. Only time I've been in handcuffs. Police have, have, have ripped the flesh off of my arms by handling me with handcuffs. I've never been arrested. I've never done anything wrong to warrant that. They're, a lot of times they're bullies. A lot of times they're wrong and so forth. But we'll save that for another episode. And in most cases, as long as you allow them to rob you of your dignity and humiliate you, you'll be fine. Yeah, is what we're led to believe, because even then, yes, sir, no, sir, I'm sorry, sir. They have proven and we've seen the live video evidence 20 times since George Floyd. Sure. Even when if you just comply, if you just allow them to violate your rights, then you should be OK. But again, we'll talk about that more on another episode um and i very much look forward to it if you if you will please come back hang out with me i, I very much enjoy i'm this. moving in bro let's let's do it um but uh that's gonna do it for us today once again i'm ramses ja they call me q ward and it just so happens to be my name if you have any questions any topics you want us to talk about if you want to donate to the show um the show is supported by listeners if you're liking what you're hearing if you're liking what you're doing um, you can donate through the website, civiccipher.com. Again, that's civiccipher.com. And you can check us out on all social media at civiccipher. And until next week, at the same time on the same channel, peace. Peace.